Welcome to Pilots with Shmi and Riker. I'm Riker. And I'm Shmi. And we are just a couple of nerds who watch entirely too much TV and didn't want all that training and hard work and focus and practice to go to waste. So we made a podcast about it. Each week we watch and review the pilot episode of shows that made it to series on the merits of the pilot as a standalone episode and give it a pass or fail grade as successful or unsuccessful. A successful pilot is one that immediately leaves you wanting to come back for more. And an unsuccessful pilot, well, if you've ever tried to get a friend to binge one of your favorite shows but need to qualify it first with give it a few episodes before you're hooked, probably a good example of an unsuccessful pilot. We try to keep our scoring objective, so we analyze what makes a successful pilot and boiled it down to four essential criteria. Does it clearly establish the genre? How well does it introduce the main characters? Is the overarching plot clearly defined? And does it end with a hook that makes us want to come back for more? Now, our scoring might be objective, but we are not. After all, we are opinionated nerds bullshitting about our favorite TV shows and the shows that we love to hate. Maybe you agree with us. Maybe you think we're way off base. Turns out that discussion is exactly what we're here for. So please tell us all about it in the comments. This is Pilots. West Covina, <gasps> California. I don't know what happens next, but all roads lead to this magical text. It's time to kick it into high gear. Oof, that's going to hurt your ears. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, this is pilots. <laughs> that's not a. That's not something I've seen before. <laughs> I told you I'm louder than you. You're just loud more often. Bullshit. I'm pretty loud. <laughs> Especially my laugh. My laugh. It carries. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our um, <laughs> teaser. That's our teaser for this episode of Pilots, in which we will be reviewing the pilot for. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, yep. which was a CW show. Mm-hmm. CW, which is known for some really stupid shows. Not all stupid shows, though. I like a couple there. I like this one. And you know, the <laughs> beauty of it is, it's like it knows it's a stupid show uh-huh. and fully embraces it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, well, not to uh, reveal too early, or we start with establishing the genre. I mean, it's, it's a satire. It's a satirical musical comedy. Oh, so, I mean, the fact that it's satirical, it's very tongue-in-cheek the entire time. That's very true. It's very self-aware. Very self-aware. It's very self-aware And of they how... lean on that fourth wall <laughs> a bit. <laughs> oh, I could see that. Um, the Actually, you know what? Well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. Later on, where they, they do a song about mm-hmm. about how, oh, the ratings are slipping. Who are these people that they just <laughs> added to the show is it to get the ratings up? <laughs> that was the most flagrant breakage and you're talking in later seasons later seasons Mm -hmm. yeah we're getting ahead of ourselves but uh and i'm not sure that many people listening and maybe there just aren't many people (laughs) 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 we don't know yet um but 
I'm not sure that many people really saw this show. I, I Most remember, people didn't. Yeah, I remember looking at the ratings for it, and it was like regularly below a million people. And uh, I would read often that if it wasn't for the streaming era of television that mm-hmm. we live in, there would have been no place for it because oh, the yeah. ratings wouldn't have supported it. Um, and, of course, it's on that stupid loser network, CW. <laughs> 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 well, they always say stuff like, yeah, well, we produce shows for young people. It's like, oh, I didn't know young people like crap, so we just make it crap because it's for young people who have poor taste. And yet, then they made this weird show that that is just, like you said, it's satirical. It's a satirical musical comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the fact that it's a musical is totally incidental. It's like... Yeah. Not even really part of the concept. It's just thrown in for good measure. Like, as if this wasn't dumb and goofy enough, let's really make it clear that we know this is dumb and goofy and do these these goofy songs that we're going to do. Even the, uh, I forgot that the pilot episode has the, it's a sexy getting ready song. I know, song. I did too. I loved it so much and I remembered it was early on, but oh, yeah. so good. With the rapper that comes into it when she's getting ready in the bathroom. And it's just a disgusting shit show Yeah, nightmare. she waxes her ass specifically, and there's uh-huh. blood that spurts. And it's like the... <laughs> I just cringe every time I see it. I'm just like, I've never waxed. Uh, that's not true. It's never been like that, though. <laughs> I've never straight gone for it, which is why I'm bad at waxing. Right. Like, I kind of like, don't pull it, don't pull it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the rapper who comes into the musical setup who has no relationship to the show Completely otherwise random plot at all. <laughs> Completely random rapper comes in to do the... To do the break the breakdown part. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you call it. I rap something my genre. And uh, <laughs> he comes in to break it down and um, and says, Wow, this is this is what you gotta deal with? Like this is how <laughs> he goes, Man, this is some patriarchal bullshit. That's exactly what he said. Yeah. <laughs> the episode ends with him making a list of this is where the episode ends with the rapper who has nothing to do with the plot of the show. <laughs> Apologizing to to the bitches that he's got to apologize to. <laughs> bitches, I got I some bitches. <laughs> yeah, that was great. So it's absurd. Mm-hmm. Like if I had to think of one word to describe the genre, if somebody said, "What's the genre for the show?" Does the pilot establish the genre effectively? Would say yes. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I that would not be a question yeah. for me at all. <laughs> well, the only reason it would be a question for me because the answer is yes. Oh yeah, absolutely. but it's like well. Put a put a word on it. It's like um, absurdist comedy. I mean, satirical is really the way to. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely over the top. I mean, yeah. Yeah, but it's it's a one of a kind. Yeah, I mean, she's kind of a caricature almost. Yes. Well, she's very talented, and then doesn't necessarily play to the like top of her intelligence. Not her intelligence. That's a bad way to put it. Like she's, I think she Rachel Bloom, the star of the show, the producer of the show. Did she produce it? I think so. I think she co-produced it maybe later on, but I think she kinda, came on she with someone. Kind of created or no? Not created initially. I don't think so. Anyways, I All think right, she I was brought in. I think she was brought, and maybe I'm wrong. I think she was brought in on it. Um, the gal had seen whoever did oh. produce it, saw her YouTube videos, and was like, "Hey, you're my brand. Like, <laughs> this is what I want." And so I think she was a big influencer in the later seasons, and maybe even did kind of co-produce it later mm. on. But I believe she was brought in. Because she was recognized for her YouTube videos. So whether it was created around her or custom tailored to, <laughs> to her, her, yeah, yeah, it's very much her show. Her show. Oh, absolutely. It's. I mean, it's her personality. Right. And she's she's brilliant. I think with her comedy. Mm-hmm. Um. I think she's like talented 
musically. Oh yeah. And but I guess what's interesting about her is her weird personality and sense of humor over she just doesn't take herself too seriously. Yeah. Like if she wanted to be doing you know, you see see uh actors out there that they gotta like take a gig like this because it paid the bills, but mm-hmm. really I just want to be on the theater. Yeah. You know, singing, doing my triple threat, a very formal trained, and I don't get the sense that she's necessarily formally trained. Mm-hmm. I don't know if she is, but her goofy I think she, I videos. believe she was, actually. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I don't know. I know I went on like we a don't really binge do of Rachel Blue research. stuff. <laughs> Not initially, yeah. no. We, we watch <laughs> the show and say, cool, let's do the recording. Yeah, so don't don't uh, hold us to any of the facts. Oh, but I believe no I'd read somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> All, only opinions. <laughs> even the even the stuff that we're reporting, like it's research. Like, yeah, that's a thing that I read four years ago <laughs> when the show was on. Um, oh man, it's been longer than that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm still no. You're right. It's it. only you're right. It's only been like two years since it stopped airing. I think. Yeah. Um. So case. so anyway, it's just a wild. Mm-hmm. It's a wild romp. Um, and uh, I dig it because it's such a one of a kind show. And I gotta say, her her weird sense of humor, I feel like, speaks directly to me. Yeah, yeah, and it's I almost felt that like, way as well. Oh, somebody gets me, and they gave her a show. That's how I felt about it too. Yeah. That's hilarious. That nobody watched, which made and you I feel like, oh, there really is just. 873,000 people in the world who like this weird shit that I do. So, you know, good luck with the anticipation that they'll ever make another show for. And I do wonder <laughs> if it's just, you know, it didn't reach, like it wasn't advertised enough because I I know I just happened to stumble upon it. It was on Netflix. Mm-hmm. They dropped the first season. So I didn't even get it like mm-hmm. as it was airing the first season. It was after the fact. And I was just like, oh, it's called Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Well, that sounds hilarious. And I yeah. remembered thinking... Wait, is that my super ex-girlfriend? No, that's something else. Okay, so what is this? Uh, you know what part of the problem could have been? What's that? That it was on the CW. And <laughs> oh my God, this again. Okay, <laughs> they so, have Gotham on the CW, and I have to say, that is like one of the cooler takes on Batman. Gotham looks really cool. I've never watched it. Well, You're not into superhero stuff. Two. I'm, but Batman, yeah, I am. Okay. Batman's my superhero. That's... I would totally do it. The later season... I mean, you know, everything jumps the shark. So, like, you know, there oh. is some... In the later season, it happens. But it's it's a really cool take <laughs> on Batman. And I really like that it focuses on the detective more than... Yeah. Than Bruce. <laughs> like, it's... Bruce. <laughs> it's the weirdest Bruce, thing. Eh? Well, so he's not the hero. You know, he's a kid. Right. So you kind of get to see so all sort of, of the, the early... Gotham story yeah. that led to it. Absolutely. That led to the Batman story. Um, yeah, so it's fun. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Gotham next, maybe. <laughs> so, uh, Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, I've read, sure. was actually originally uh, going to be a Showtime show or was a pilot that was shot for Showtime. Really? So be a cable show, yes, and it was completely different and it was rejected. And uh, they retooled it for CW, or I assume they have the same parent company. And uh, they picked it up and made it, and CW-fied it. Uh, which I w. think, yeah, <laughs> which I think makes sense actually. Watching it back because the first episode feels quite a bit different, especially the beginning, especially the New York City stuff. Uh, it feels a little bit more like grounded, a little bigger. Feels a little bit more expensive, which is not uncommon for a pilot. Yeah, that it was a higher production. Yes. Mm-hmm. Very good higher production. Production cool. value. Yeah, I liked it. Later, when it settles into kind of. 
you know, the show that it becomes. So uh, we hit genre. Yeah. Let's talk about characters. characters. Yeah. I mean, so early on we get, uh, I mean, first scene is Rebecca and Josh. And you get immediately that she's dramatic and weird. Like, Josh says it outright, but like you so funny when he get it immediately. Yeah. <laughs> this is the flashback to 2005 when... Uh, uh, Rachel Bloom's character. What's her name? Rebecca. 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 What's her last name? Bunch. Rebecca Bunch. When Rebecca <laughs> Bunch is at camp in a play because she's showy and dramatic and weird, uh, and then and it was a musical too, uh-huh. so oh, it yeah. immediately opens up on a musical. So and she is in the hints. background. She is she not is. the star of that. And musical. she's not good in it. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like no. I don't know if I'm not supposed to take it that way, but she was awkward and. Bad in it. Like yeah. I felt like she was off key. Oh yeah, like she like she wanted to be front and center really bad, uh-huh. so she was gonna take all the little opportunities that she yeah. has. So being be... different was getting her the spotlight. Yes. Ooh, I like that. I never took it that way. Um well, just that she was weird. Yeah. And it was like, well, I'm gonna overdo it. And it's like, no, weird girl. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> You're up there. You're on stage. Now just you know, just sort of enjoy that. Which I think goes back to the tongue and cheek quality of the show that yeah. I'm the girl who's in the background. Who's the weird girl and not the not the leading lady who's the pretty blonde, but this is my show. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> yeah, so I am the lead and this is gonna be weird. <laughs> and then Josh says what you were just mentioning, uh, when when she's so totally hopelessly in love with him, like, oh my god, wasn't the summer great? And he says, you know, uh, Rebecca, yeah, this is cool and all, but I don't think this is gonna work out because you know, you're like really dramatic and Super weird. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the honesty, especially in the, uh, I mean, like, it's a younger relationship. So mm-hmm. I I think it's interesting that he has that emotional maturity in that moment. I have to say, I don't feel like I see that in the rest of the series. I mean, not that we're judging the rest of the series as a whole here, obviously. But we're allowed to talk about it. But we're allowed to talk about it. we made up the rules <laughs> and tell you what, they don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't feel like it's consistent. I feel like, I mean, if anything, I felt like he, he kind of regressed. Dumber. Yeah, he yeah, did. Dumber. Emotionally dumber, too. And Which I goes to just... show that was not an insightful moment that he had. That was Mm-mm. a moment where he didn't know how to say something more artfully. Yeah. So he says, you know... You're kind of weird. <laughs> it's like, yeah, and this is coming from the dumb guy. <laughs> this is coming from the dumb guy. Yeah. But he's like out of her league, so she hangs on to that forever. That time she dated the hot dumb guy. Yeah. Because he was, you know, the skater boy type. Yeah. And there's the initial premise of the show. Is that... She's in love with she, him. Uh, yeah, the, the ugly duckling dated the hot weird guy for a minute. Runs into him again in New York City when she's having a meltdown in her uh, New York City job as a as a big hotshot attorney who's about to get a big raise, uh, and then kept, keeps seeing the the bread advertisement, or the butter advertisement. Butter, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was butter. It's There's a biscuit in there, but it's always the butter. It is the butter, the um, which is the ad that says, when was the last time that you were truly happy? Yeah. <laughs> and she, she even observes... That's kind of a weird ad. <laughs> right. What a weird ad campaign. <laughs> On that, you know, not an indirect breaking of the fourth wall, but to acknowledge, no, no, this is really not something that you would mm-hmm. ever see. This is purely to get the show to the next thing. <laughs> well, so I actually thought it was very interesting. Um, and I don't know if I saw it in previous rounds, Use. but like she's very, yeah, she very much fixates on things and sees things as signs mm. from the beginning. I mean, like all signs pointed to Josh as soon as, you know, as soon as the ball was rolling on, Josh is in town. You're right. Um, I mean, like she walks in front of the sign and it goes from whatever sushi thing, I think, 
um, to Josh. Right. Oh, <laughs> good point. So every, I mean, and then the way she saw him, you know, was that sign. And then like the sign had like an arrow that kind of, I don't mm. know, slanted as she was watching fell. it. Yeah, fell into and it. And then she sees this one way street thing that points the other way. And then it points to Josh. So like literally all signs point to Josh. All right. Well, later in the show, there's some episode, I think she thinks she's pregnant because she, because she was in the mood for an egg salad sandwich and then <laughs> gets sick. And then she says, oh my God, Paula, it's a sign. My mom was eating an egg salad sandwich when she found out she was pregnant with me and now I'm sick. So obviously this is morning sickness. It's like, no, I think an egg salad sandwich out of a vending machine would make anybody nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. I, I remember that part. But I hadn't, yeah. which is just, I, I don't know, season two maybe. Uh, I not put it together that this the it's a sign <laughs> yeah oh yeah totally and you know i think the reason i caught on to it is that you know i'm a girl and i was brought up on the sign <laughs> i was brought up on the sign i would deal a deck of cards and it meant something you know this number had him it's like the cootie catchers back in the day you know you have no. the what is that you don't know what to, so it's the little thing on your fingers and you do like five or what you know Pick a number, one, two, you know, yeah, one, two, three, four, five, and then you pick a, yeah, it's called a cootie catcher. catcher. I didn't know either. Uh, my sister, who's 10 years older than I am, is the one who Wait told me second. the official term. A cootie catcher is what, what it's that's called. been called all along. All along. Because I'm listening for this right now, and I'm thinking, no, 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 if you hadn't just put this ridiculous cootie catcher idea in my head, what would I have called that? And what I'm realizing I would have called it is one of those star finger things. You <laughs> <laughs> do this a bunch of times. I don't think I've ever had any idea what that was called. Yeah. Okay, sorry, go ahead. No, that's great. Um, so it kind of goes back to that, that it always meant something, and you mm -hmm. wanted to find meaning in it. Like, you don't know whether the guy likes you or not, oh, and so right. you make up this whole elaborate narrative in your head, like, no, he really likes me. This sign pointed to it, and there was this other really inconsequential thing that really means yes. something. And then, you know, you have to find ways that the... The stars point to it, and the love was meant to be, oh, being young. Uh, I remember <laughs> there was this girl that I was in love with back in my university days, um, and I would just run into her around the quad, mm -hmm. Haley, and uh, I'd be like, oh, there she is. <laughs> Talk to me. And one night, and I had a weird schedule. Stuff just like went wrong all mm -hmm. day long, and then I found myself sitting at the business building mm -hmm. the science building the one where there was a subway ilc no the one where there was a subway oh no no no! that's the student rec center no the other one um, <laughs> the sub <laughs> no no this is the science and math building i think it was was it oh then i don't go in science that building and it, education it doesn't oh it's the education building there yeah. you go so i was in that one and uh <laughs> and, at random and university. she came out of the yeah at unsaid <laughs> university and she came out of the <laughs> so she comes down the elevator and I went, oh, there she is. Oh my God, she's here. What are the odds of this? But what are the odds that she yeah. would be here? And what are the yeah. odds that my day would be so fucked up? It would have led to this moment. That it was meant to be. Uh, I'm not sure I'm a believer or not, but I am right now. Mm -hmm. And God just dropped this pretty girl on my lap. And then nothing ever came out of that ever again. That's hilarious. <laughs> the narrative we tell ourselves. I really do think it's, you know, media. We yeah. tell her, like, we like the happy ending. We like that it has... You, you and I have talked about relationships, and you had uh, at one point been like, oh, so what, what's your couple story? Like, what's your meet cute, basically? And I was just like, 
Well, I mean, like, you're not going to judge the relationship on that, right? Because, mm. like, <laughs> this is real life. <laughs> I know, that's what I love about your and Taylor's completely unromantic story of how... That's not true. We're not <laughs> unromantic. It's not unromantic. No, no, no. It's you, just... You tell an unromantic version of the story, which is kind of like life happens, and we're in life together, and like we, we're together, and we continue to choose to be with each other, and we're each other's partners. Yeah. And, and you know, we continue to go through life figuring out, are we going to be each other's partners? for a long time and i told you the other day that at 30 i guess this is the first time that i've been 30 watching my 30 year old friends make 30 year old decisions mm -hmm. never been 30 before this is the oldest i've ever been weird. right now it's the weirdest thing <laughs> and uh <laughs> and to be this age it's like oh thank god what a relief mm -hmm. somebody who like doesn't have this high school story and this this uh, misconception of how things should have been, already went through those experiences, mm -hmm. now has an adult relationship that you guys talk to each other like grown-ups and say, what are we going to do now? We've got to make some decisions. That's real life. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the that's cool. To me, that's cool. Now that we're old and the, uh, and the, the fantasy has been shaken off of the, the romance idea. You know what romance is? People confuse courtship and think it's romance. Oh, we went out on an expensive dinner and and uh, it had this big elaborate thing. That's courtship. That's not romance. No, romance that's is not it. Farting on each other. <laughs> that's romance. That's hey, you're the closest person to me in my whole life. We cuddle up when we watch shows, and I have to fart, so I'm just gonna do it because ha ha ha. You're not gonna throw me out of the house over this. And that <laughs> is beautiful because that's an adult relationship. That's true. That's true. <laughs> I do like that. Yeah. The early days, of, I mean, just the young relationships of having to hide a fall, like, you know, running off into the other room to crop dust. It's right. <laughs> oh, <what>? <laughs> you <laughs> cough to cover it or, you know, <laughs> God, what's that smell? I don't know. Someone smells really sick, though. <laughs> In my first, like, really serious relationship, I, uh, I woke up. A fart woke me up. And I woke, it was like I was driving a car and there was something <laughs> fragile next to me. And I reached my hand out to cover it like, oh, no, be careful. No, no, you're going to break the vase. Oh, the, uh, the, the airbag is going to go on and, and kill the four-year-old next to me. That's how I treated it. Like, oh, no. You're blocking I the other person from your fart. From my fart. I thought, I got to keep, she wasn't there. <laughs> she wasn't there that night. I was thinking she'd been there so often because we were in the early phases of a relationship. I thought, yeah. oh. and in that moment, I thought, we've got to get over this. This is <sighs> pathetic. Like, I'm having nightmares over this now. About a week later, however long later, but recently, we broke the fart barrier. She was kind of sick. We were cuddled up watching a show. And she sneezed or coughed mm -hmm. and farted on me. And oh, I that's thought, great. Oh, you that did it first. Bad. Yes, you did it first. <laughs> you did it on me. You're humiliated by it. <laughs> so it's it was funny. Awesome. I think. Oh, I had never had more power than I did in that moment. Girls want guys to say "I love you" first, but guys want girls to fart first because <laughs> <laughs> we want to know they're cool. <laughs> well, no, you want permission to do it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's let's use that as a segue back <laughs> into the into the topic here, which is. Just her overdramatic behavior. No, the juxtaposition of the fantasy and what she expects out of life, mm -hmm. and then what she actually encounters when she leaves New York to go stalk, literally stalk Josh. That is, yeah. It's not why she's there. She just happened to move to West Covina, except she didn't. She's totally a stalker. Um, Uprits her whole life, buys a new house, moves to California, gets a crappy job working for Daryl Whitefeather. 
who is <laughs> hilarious, by the way. Yeah, he's a whole one-eighth Chippewa. Oh, yes. What they call a whole one-eighth. <laughs> <laughs> a full, right? I think it was whole. Oh, maybe, it, maybe it was full, but yeah, it was a whole one-eighth Chippewa. <laughs> yeah, so we get the introduction to him, which leads to the introduction of Paula. Mm-hmm. And where I was going with this was the juxtaposition of her fantasy of how this should look and the reality of the situation. She's got a, crop, a crappy job at a sleepy law firm with... Uh, Paula's just like an angry, bitter, middle-aged woman, uh, and we haven't met the husband yet. You know, that actually wasn't my take on her this time around. Um, She had said something very specific. Let me kind of look here in my notes. She had said, and it's like one of the final scenes when she confronts Rebecca, you think you're so much better than me. She's literally just threatened by the fact that Rebecca is successful, mm-hmm. pretty, and there. Mm-hmm. Like, she just doesn't get it and feels threatened by it. So You're right, because we don't get into the sort of marital... Um, Issues. Yeah, the uh, beleaguerdness <laughs> of Ooh. Paula's life until later in the show. Um, but there's something about the woman who plays Paula, I'm not sure her name, um, who, she's just so good. She is. She's so talented. She's Man, a great she singer, too. Sing. Yeah. yeah. She, <laughs> she belted really it out. sing. And there's, there's um, something about, I mean, the character where she's very average. Mm-hmm. You know, she's very plain, like like you said. Her, her whole premise at the beginning of it when she's adversarial with... Um, Rebecca Bunch Mm -hmm. is to be is that she's threatened by her. And you're right. Like, why did this highfalutin New York attorney show up at our sleepy little? She doesn't have an accent. I don't know why you're adding that. (laughs) Well, because, you you know, it's like like they present it like she feels like she's so, you know, lesser than. Yeah. Yeah. Which isn't the case here at all. Rebecca's not, you know, she doesn't have any of those feelings. She's actually totally inadequate. She's totally, Mm -hmm. uh, self-conscious and and um insecure yeah she just doesn't present that front at work which i really like that she for the i mean at least early on Mm -hmm. really shows a pretty good separation of work and personal stuff at least in the workplace right yeah later that gets blurry but she oh that becomes non-existent (laughs) well i haven't gotten that far yet okay (laughs) but uh at the beginning of the show she's brilliant at her job Mm -hmm. and i love that about her is that as much as she's totally loopy and out of her mind when she steps up to do something cool Mm -hmm. she does it bigly yeah well i mean it kind of goes to show that just because you're you have some crazy or irrational personal Mm -hmm. tendencies um mental health issues yeah mental health issues that you really can't i mean it doesn't mean you're not an intelligent person it means that your brain your your emotions hijack your brain and then they're you know the rationality goes out the window Mm -hmm. and you know I can relate to that. <laughs> I know when I'm being hijacked and I'm like, yeah, that wasn't irrational at all. I'm an intelligent human being. That mm. shouldn't have happened, but <laughs> there you go. So now by the end of this, Paula is very much the Ethel to Rebecca Bunch's Lucy, mm-hmm. I feel like, where she establishes, oh, wait a second. So so your your deceit with me is that you just don't want to admit that you're here because you're in love with some boy yeah that you're chasing around 
And she says, oh, I'm going to help you with this. This is going to be so much I fun. I love it. You immediately get her schemy side, which yes. becomes huge. Well, her whole thing in the first episode is, oh, I have a little, no, lie to me. I'm glad you're lying because <laughs> now I get to figure it out and show you how good I am at figuring stuff out. And she is, actually, and she though. she is. She's brilliant at it. She's also a stalker. Also a stalker. <laughs> yeah. And really. An enabler. Yeah. And really, because she's so bored as it kind of, as the show goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, is really just too involved in living vicariously through Rebecca. Oh, yeah. In a way that becomes, I think, very damaging. Problematic, for sure. <laughs> right. Um, uh, who else we got? We got Josh. Oh, and then, of course, we got to talk about S- Santos or whatever his name is. I think it's Santana Fontina. Is that it? Uh, it's crazy to me. Yeah, he's... <sighs> okay, so the guy who plays Greg is by far my favorite favorite character like he just immediately his chemistry with Rebecca is so good so good and you're just like wait Josh who why is this not you know (laughs) I hope Josh isn't the leading man of the show because it really is all this guy at this point oh yeah Josh is I mean I think we've shown our cards we think he's dumb (laughs) Mm -hmm. like he's he was the cool handsome guy that she dated that was way out of her league but he dumb (laughs) you know I didn't get the sense from as the show goes on that the actor who plays Josh is Josh Chan mm-hmm. is much of an actor. Like he's a break dancer. He's a, a b boy. Okay. And uh, and he sings. He's really a talented guy. And he's very, yeah. So he's a performer, but yeah, maybe not an actor. And it's actor. very pop stuff. He's clearly an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah. And and then I, I just I get the sense from him that he's just genuinely that lovable. Yeah. Obviously not that dumb, but maybe a little life, aloof. In real life, maybe, and I don't know the guy at all. I'm just this is the the what I get out of him. This is a is real life account from act- best friend of Josh Chan <laughs> <laughs> Riker. Is that he's actually just a lovable guy who's easy to get along with and was like fun at the at the audition or whatever. And uh, and was down for anything. And just like he just seems like he has no ego about it. Like, yeah, I'll play the dumb guy. I'll yeah. play him dumb, and I'll and I'll uh, like whatever stupid stuff you throw at me. I'm having the time of my life. I didn't expect to be in a TV show, and then is good at it. Like, yeah. and maybe he is an actor, but I, I'm not sure. I feel like the other things seem to be more his strength. Mm-hmm. But then is good at it. Yeah, and does a good job playing a, a role that's really simple and not a complicated character. And then you do look at um, what's his name? Greg. Greg. And Greg is all complexity. Oh, God, I love him. His lines about, oh, gosh, what was it? Hang on. You're a good listener. Like, she's just completely blowing him off. Uh (laughs) And then he says later, and you're you're ignoring me, which is so my type. So (laughs) So you're my type. So you must be my type. (laughs) Yeah, he's got such a a singular wit Mm -hmm. and such a just dry wit. He reminds me of Chandler. Oh. He makes jokes at his own sus- yeah. expense, like when he's uncomfortable. for sure. Yeah. But he's got a darkness about him. Oh, yeah. That, like, here's a guy who's who's experienced some dark, quiet times, <laughs> <laughs> and it, he broods. He's a yes. brooder. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Which is attractive to women. <laughs> yeah, right. But he brings a weight to the show. Yeah, And a does. gravity to the show. And as soon as those guys are together, him and Rebecca, as she's looking for Josh... It's just magic. When I first started, yeah, totally. When I first started watching the show on your recommendation a couple years ago, I texted you and I said, it's going to be Greg. It's Greg? 
Greg, yeah. yeah. It's going to be Greg. I said, the guy's going to be Greg. And you wrote something back that like didn't give any spoilers up, but acknowledged that I you... don't believe in spoilers. I'm sorry. I'm, I will always... <laughs> you don't believe in spoiling, you mean? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't... Yes, You don't sorry. believe in them? They exist, Bree. <laughs> I don't believe in <laughs> being a party to that. Damn it. You outed me. I can cut that. That didn't take very long. Um. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, anyway. but, but no, you you gave me a non-spoilery response, which was yeah. like, as you continue to watch the show, it's like, duh, like, of course, there's like, there's clearly chemistry between those oh, two clearly. that goes unresolved. And I didn't remember that they kissed and made out in the first episode, like, yeah. multiple times. Like, I mean, she unzips his pants as she's sobbing, lamenting oh, Josh God, so uncomfortable. and still lying. And he says, no, please. I should probably stop. Like, this is too gross even for me. Yeah. This is too sleazy for me to capitalize on. Yeah, like, I I really need this, but even I know you don't have sex with a crying girl. <laughs> right. <laughs> even I know this. Um. Yeah, I think that that kind of covers most of them. Did we talk much about Daryl? I mean, he's one-eighth Chippewa. I will say, he immediately has just no boundaries. He is the most desperate, thirsty. <laughs> he just wants so bad to be loved. So badly. You know... You know what he just reminded me of? Who's and that? not because they're alike at all. It's really just the mustache and the hair. I wondered, yeah. He's got to look. It's um, Parks and Rec, Ron Swanson. Oh, but he's like the anti manly version. 100%. But here's the thing about him. Yeah. That it's only my, my experience in meeting Ron Swanson mm-hmm. that makes me think about this being a. That's why this feels familiar. Because okay. when, when I first saw, I used to check a, a website all the time, TV by the numbers that gave TV ratings, and it was a great site. And it just went out, a, just went out recently, mm-hmm. which was um, end of an era. And uh, I, before I ever saw Parks and Rec, and before I knew The Office, because it was pre Netflix. I remember looking at Parks and Rec, and everybody was just weird. Everybody just looked weird and frumpy. Wait, and you're awkward. saying Parks and Rec was Parks pre-office? N- no, I hadn't seen the office. Oh, okay, I was like, no, no, was, no, no. It was, was pre Netflix. <laughs> okay, gotcha, gotcha. So I had I wasn't familiar with the Office yet because mm-hmm. Office came out in high school, and everybody liked it a lot. And I thought, well, if if teenagers like it, it must be dumb. So I wasn't interested in it. And I found out later that I was dumb, and I was wrong about that. Anyway, <laughs> so I hadn't had the experience yet, so I didn't understand Parks and Rec. I didn't understand the humor. I sure. think The Office was actually ahead of its time, mm-hmm. too. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and I understand it was classic then, but it's aged even better. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, but Parks and Rec, everybody was awkward in it. And it was like a time that if mm-hmm. it was a TV show, you still expected everybody to be pretty. Mm-hmm. And not that the people were ugly in that show. Because mm-hmm. now that I'm really familiar with that show, they're not. <laughs> they're no, not they're not. at all. But they were awkward, and I remember looking at a picture of them all, thinking, these are the ugliest people on television <laughs> right now. <laughs> and, uh, and when I see Daryl Whitefeather, who who's not an ugly guy, either, really, I don't think any of these people are ugly. I just didn't have a They're not conventionally scheme. beautiful. They're not Hollywood pretty. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're prettier than you but or they're I. All so <laughs> <laughs> right. And they're all so cool. And so, but the thing is, like, they're all relatable as dorky, funny, weird, goofy people who are playing the inhabiting these characters who are awkward. Uh, and my introduction to Ron Swanson was similar to Daryl Whitefeather, where it's like, huh, I feel like I'm surprised that Hollywood has a place for them outside of the 1970s with their big mustaches and their big hair. 
Because I don't know either of them from anything else. Of course, mm-hmm. Ron Swanson went on to be very famous for just being himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Offerman? Nick Offerman, yeah. And uh, who's brilliant. But see, these. Uh, what I'm getting at here is they're uniquely talented. Like, oh, they're, absolutely. They're such signature talents. Like Daryl Whitefeather is such... He plays this role, this neurotic, insecure person. He plays it so well. Like, it's just... he like. That's not a, a a performance that's reproducible. Yeah, I, I wouldn't think so, no. Right. So, you know, sometimes you see actors that everybody everybody goes on about what a great role they played. Like, like uh, to me, Johnny Depp is one of those actors. It's like it's always the same. It's always goofy. It's always, To me, it just doesn't relate to me at all. And I, think, I get that. I think that it's so reproducible. There's no, there's no particular talent or skill that went into that. And yet I, I listen to how Daryl delivers a line like the the all the Jewish stuff that he was saying, all oh the really God, offensive that was stuff so he was saying. Yeah, everybody calls me Chief around here. Oh, like should I be calling you Chief? Would you start it? Because I've been trying to get it to catch on. It's not really catching <laughs> on. <laughs> and it's like it's all so offensive. Oh, you're Jewish? Yeah. Because I need to get my Jew to to battle my wife out in court, uh, and she's got her Jew. Yeah. Y- your nose seems so small. Yeah, it's like tiny nose, like a button. <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's and it's it's unraveling and it's so offensive and it's so awful. And him as an actor is so fully committed to it. He's so hysterically funny. Yeah, I really appreciate it also. I mean, like, I appreciated it. It was very indicative that it's a modern show that she's like, by the way, that Jew thing, we should talk about that. That's problematic. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna be a problem. <laughs> like, Why did I, like, I say that? <laughs> it made me feel a lot less uncomfortable with it. That it's like, okay, good. You do know that that's like very weird. <laughs> oh, because it's her show. I mean, we're yeah. back to. I assume she's Jewish in real life because I don't think that would have been. It's hard as to say. I believe if so. She wasn't, yeah, but I think what's what amuses me about it is assuming she's Jewish, um, <laughs> and certainly the character is. Oh yeah. That that the humor comes from. I think, like, the perspective from which the show is told, if she's our audience surrogate, what she's communicating here is, this is the kind of racist shit that Jewish people have to hear. When you hear it from my perspective, isn't this really obnoxious? Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah, it is. And (laughs) And your hair's not curly. I mean, like... (laughs) And you've made it so funny. Like, the way you you conveyed it Mm -hmm. uh, in this show is so funny. You know what this show also does is a lot of... It's a lot of guy girl jokes like like guys being uncomfortable with girl stuff yeah like the luna bars happens in later episodes where pam's saying to her husband like no don't eat my luna bars those are for women like women yeah something about her period it became a period thing oh yeah it's because it has iron added and so you know (laughs) every time a period comes up in the show which it does fairly often i feel like it's it's it relates back to somehow how men get comfortable about it. And la la la, I can't hear this. I got to get out of this situation. <laughs> Which reminds me, the period sex in later episodes was a really <laughs> good song. Uh, it just, it really does address some uncomfortable topics in a song. And so it's like. <laughs> there you go. Like that's, that's the, the humor of it. Like and the beauty of it, real really. Real things that, that aren't necessarily funny. Mm-hmm. And here's the humor in it. That's what's so funny about this show, I feel like. Okay, so kind of jumping all over the place, but I feel like the text that she sends to Josh when she's actually in West Covina is like <laughs> the craziest text yeah. that I have. I mean, like it just made me squeamish watching her do that. Like I felt uncomfortable for her. Did you take notes on what 
what the specific I don't remember. Oh no, it was just like a I mean, the part that it that was really uncomfortable where she was like she wasn't sure if it was like, "Hey, go out to coffee, go out to pr- dinner, breakfast." Go out for whatevs. Go out for whatevs. Yeah, and it was like Crazy, right? Lol. Yeah. Okay. The other part that she said, she's like, you said if I was ever in SoCal to give you a buzz, well, buzz, buzz. and then puts a bee, <laughs> bee emoji. And I'm just like, oh my God, this is literally the craziest. And it's a long text yeah. too. And you and, and I, I go, talked And about there's a pair, it's a paragraph. <laughs> it right? is. There's a space and then boom, new text. Yeah. There's an enter. There's a page break in there <laughs> or a paragraph break yeah. rather. Yeah, no, it's it was it was a lot, and you and I both were like, "Yeah, you go there." The move is if you're stalking a guy, right. professional move is if you're <laughs> following you just a guy show to another- up and inhabit your life in West Covina mm-hmm. and run into him at and Walmart like, or something. Yeah, be kind of the aloof approach, yeah. like, "Oh, I forgot you said you were here." Oh yes, hi. Omg, that's Yo, right. So crazy seeing you. Oh my god, Rebecca Bunch, what are you doing here? I live here now. Why did you never reach out to me? Oh my God, because you're just not important enough. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Stalking 101. Duh. Duh. <laughs> Aloofness. Um, kind of the other ongoing joke that we really hadn't done. Um, and I actually kind of, a point I'd like to make is I really feel like they kind of make Wes Covina a character in the show almost. I love that. About, you know what? I like shows that get out of Los Angeles mm-hmm. or out of New York. And and the Yellowstone, which is I'm watching now, and I keep mm-hmm. mentioning to you, takes place in Bozeman, Montana, at this mm-hmm. big room. But it's a it's a you don't see that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a somewhere it's a that's not already been exploited. <laughs> and it's not just a place that we're in. Like mm-hmm. we're always just sort of in California, and we're in New York because that's where the studios are that make the shows. Mm-hmm. But when they take it outside of there, and the the location becomes fundamental to the story oh i absolutely. really like that and west covina because at the beginning of the show we were commenting on this where she says uh <laughs> where she says to her employers as she's quitting and that weird monologue she gives oh god it was great nonsensically Crazy. quits yeah <laughs> and it says uh she says where are you going like it's another firm is it cushman and wakefield where are you going <laughs> and she says where dreams live <laughs> and you cringe and said oh that's so Bad. Cheesy, like yeah. It's so uncomfortable. It really is. And then, and then, fast forward a minute mm-hmm. till we're in West Covina, and it oh just, yeah, she it immediately just sings. Feels like just concrete jungle. Mm-hmm. You just feel like you're on the side of the road in busy California, Southern California. Nobody's talking to each other. Leading to the ongoing joke that I think you were setting up that I'm about to steal from Absolutely. you. So let's, you take it. It's a three beat. So um, they the ongoing joke is that they're so close to the beach. So two it hours. starts. It starts as two hours from the beach. The second beach is two hours, four in traffic. <laughs> and then the final beat, which is Greg, and he had to have it because he's like the perfect mm-hmm. cynical guy. He's like four hours from the beach. People say two, but they're dumb. <laughs> the first time I saw that was so funny to me because having you know having lived in Southern California, sure. what I what that really translated to me is two hours from the beach four in traffic but there's always traffic always it's always four hours it takes four hours to get to the beach maybe if two you went at 2 a.m is, is 1955 <laughs> time <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah right yeah i don't know <laughs> that's pretty funny as someone who hasn't lived in california it's still funny oh yeah because everybody knows but <laughs> yeah but it, they call back to that joke so many times it's so it's just so funny and it's so perfectly done. Um, 
and and makes West Covina immediately a part of the show mm-hmm. and a punchline to the show in a big way. Absolutely. Um, later, your one of your favorite songs is the I was just Christmas that. in California. <laughs> California Christmas time. Um, you have all the words to that one memorized, no? All of them. I love that song. It's my favorite Christmas song. Is it really? It's, have yourself a merry little Christmas and California Christmas time from their show. <laughs> okay. Oh, you know what? I would say if anybody's lis- still listening, who's <laughs> Who's not familiar with this show? Just YouTube California Christmas time. Like if you want to go, like the best sample for this show, mm, the intro, the intro, which the makes intro a first. pilot. <laughs> Thirty seconds. Yeah, watch the intro. Perfectly encapul- encapsulates the whole show. It's it's the perfect pilot for the show in thirty seconds. In thirty <laughs> seconds, and it's there for every episode of the first season, so you immediately know what you're watching uh, and mm-hmm. what it's about. And in uh, California Christmas time, I think between those two things, if you're getting to the end of both of them, thinking this is not for me, so dumb, then you already know this is not for you. Absolutely, and that's I think the only people who would find the pilot unsuccessful, revealing my hand a little early, are people who just it's not for them. It's just not their taste. Mm, assholes. <laughs> yeah, I've I had. I kind of feel like it's. Um, I feel like everyone has an aversion to musicals, like naturally. Like if you tell me we're gonna watch a musical, I'm immediately not excited about it, even though I've never not liked a musical. Like I've never not liked a musical, so I don't know why I'm never excited about it. But I'm definitely never excited about it. Uh, yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like the uh, the filmmakers and or you know the producers of this mm-hmm. show, I you know I don't get the sense from this being a musical that they like musicals. <laughs> you know, it's like nothing communicates to me that this is a show for people who like musicals. It's like, this is a show for people who don't like musicals that are going to think that these songs are funny. Yeah. They're satirical yeah. again. <laughs> like they're very tongue in cheek <laughs> and kind of almost making fun of the musical format. Yeah. I think, uh, I feel like this show really is probably has a narrow appeal to millennials for the most part. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I feel like it's just a sort of millennial kind of sense of humor. Absolutely. I cannot see getting, like, my mom into the... I mean, she's very specific about what she likes anyway. She's well, She likes yeah. dramas like and you. And my mom is a bit of a Rebecca Bunch. Wait, didn't you say that you and your mom were watching Crazy I, Ex-Girlfriend? I showed it to her, and she really enjoyed it. Did and I she? had a feeling she would, because she's... A bit more fun. She's bunchy. <laughs> She's bunchy. Oh, I like that. Is That should be a new term. We'll just call people bunchy if they're like her. You're behaving a little bunchy right now. <laughs> I'll try not to take it. Uh, take offense back. to it when you call me bunchy. Yeah, I'm going to pull your meds back out of the garbage disposal and try again. <laughs> oh, it did make me concerned. Like, I totally get tossing your meds, you know, and, and being done with that. But, like, she had five different bottles of things. So I'm like, you really need someone to, like wean you off of those and make a plan because you know weaning off of those is when the problem problems right. happen <laughs> well actually that's interesting that i hadn't noticed before because i took the uh the meds going down the garbage disposal mm-hmm. as just a gag it's like oh right she's crazy and she's heavily medicated so really she's kind of crazy but as the show goes on uh her mental illness i think becomes very real mm-hmm. and and uh like I said, I'm only halfway into it, so I don't know where that goes. But, but they very much do address it. I they will very say. much acknowledge. No, no, she really has mental health issues. Mm-hmm. Like this is not like even within the the framework of this wacky show, we are telling a story about somebody who's got some major mental health issues. And what was interesting that I hadn't 
noticed before because I haven't watched the pilot since getting further on in the show where mm-hmm. they do recognize while not losing the comedy, although I think it gets a little bit dark at times. I think that they address it in a very appropriate way for it being mental yeah. health and, you know, we're finally discovering what mental health is, um, but still managing to keep the comedy about it because right. there is so much negative, you know, there's such a negative stigma around it. So, like, they, I'm thinking specifically there's a song that they do where it's like, everyone's on some sort of an antidepressant. Almost everyone's on one. And so it's like the whole song is like, you know, there's one for this and there's one for this. And I have this, like they start, I think they even start naming off actual prescription names like Lexapro and, you know. (laughs) So like they, they do try to address it and they do it in a very, I think, witty way. So in that moment where she dumps the, the meds. Yeah. uh, Now she's calling her mom. Knowing, right. Knowing what I, (laughs) know later that comes Mm -hmm. they tell you in the pilot she's got issues uh she really is crazy like Mm -hmm. she really is the crazy ex-girlfriend oh and i know that we live in a different time where where we don't call mentally ill people crazy so let me let me specify the title of the show crazy ex-girlfriend the stuff that she does that you go man that's crazy it's like no no that stuff's crazy what she's doing really is crazy not to say that she's crazy, but they do establish. But the behaviors the are crazy. Yeah, yeah. They do establish at the beginning with the pills. Wait a second. She's heavily medicated. Stuff gets really weird when she goes off her meds in that scene right there. And I don't think it's a direct foreshadowing. No. By any means. But but they do establish it. And I think I, this time around, I thought that was interesting, knowing where the show goes and knowing that they do acknowledge that she really does have some serious issues. Yeah, someone we haven't talked about yet who has not been present on screen as far as I remember. Oh, briefly, very briefly, her mother, who is, I mean, not you present, and I said. just her voice. It Was it just her it voice? It was a gimmick so she far. She was, yeah, so far she is, I mean, she's, she seems like a textbook narcissist which like growing up with a narcissistic parent already puts you kind of at a disadvantage as far as like emotional development like it really can it can make problems for you like you just have a very unrealistic expectation of how the world works and you just see that her mom is forcing so much on her like this is our accomplishment this is what we've been working toward exactly and oh it was so uncomfortable she gets in the car in the very beginning you know she gets in the car after josh chan breaks up with her and her mom immediately says something about what happened there do you need an abortion you don't want that to ruin ruin your your future and you're just like okay so this woman is a control freak has a very specific image for what your life needs to be and it's probably i mean obviously is why she was working as you know a lawyer in New York with high stress and jobs hated it. and hated it and, just and hated does it. not have clearly the emotional framework to be under that much that high pressure of a job. Although I will say she did seem incredibly successful, you know, at it, despite it being, you know, a high stress job. I mean, she was being offered junior partner. So I don't think that she wasn't able to keep up with it. That Her she skill still set was, was well refined. Mm-hmm, I feel absolutely. like her skill set was well refined and I feel like her, uh, her mental health issues started catching up to her at that job because she didn't want it and because the uh, the nature of the work caused her to spin out. Or maybe I'm thinking too far into it. No, I, I agree. But actually, you know, as we're talking about it, I, I'm realizing that, that uh, the reason the show has so much wit and so much bite is because it it tackles... Real things, very real things, in a very funny way. Mm-hmm. But it's it's the it doesn't kind feel of thing preachy that, though, which right. is nice. No, because it's the kind of thing 
like, look, we've got to laugh about it to keep from crying. Mm-hmm. We see the humor in this, and it's very funny. Like, it's like it's intrinsically a very funny predicament that we're in here in this aspect and, and that aspect. And the sense of humor that this show has and why it's so unique is because it is telling, like, pretty serious stories. Mm-hmm. Um, it has some serious themes, mm-hmm. but is a comedy and attacks everything with just sort of a vicious sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And 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 it's making me realize that the emotional maturity that that went into the um you know the the concept as a whole to the just general production of the show I'm missing the word that I went for it but uh that even you know the the sat- the satire is demonstration of the emotional maturity that the show actually has which is why it like in a way blends on the cw because it's kind of dumb and totally doesn't at all because it it's a little bit more mature yeah it's weird that it's both (laughs) totally and that's what's so good about it and i don't think yeah i kind of feel like it's one of those things uh it's kind of it's a smart person show honestly i don't think that somebody who is not emotionally aware would get much out of this, honestly. Like emotionally aware of their own stuff. Um, I don't know, and just kind of aware of the mental health knocks. issues. Yeah, yeah, somebody who's had some hard knocks and uh, and and through that says, "Look, I, you know, it's it's the it's those hard knocks. That's where my sense of humor comes from, and and I don't think I don't think dumb people." necessarily are known for their sense of humor mm-hmm. <laughs> they could be funny but it's like you know when you meet somebody who um who just like could never get their act together but they're like a barroom prophet like they're brilliant mm. um i had bartender friends that i you know growing up working at restaurants that that i would look at and think man you're you're just brilliant like you have mm-hmm. so much wisdom you have so much uh, like understanding of the way people are yeah and the way you know the good the bad and the ugly of it and are so forgiving of it because they'd seen a lot of things and had cultivated a lot of wisdom yeah and uh and in these particular cases just like not that you know they're a bartender so they didn't amount to anything in the specific cases these were people that like would recognize I just could never get my act together so I'm just gonna work here forever because I'm making good money and I'm paying the bills and um, bartending's good money oh yeah but but these particular characters in mm-hmm. my life it was the same deal that made me appreciate man some people had rough roads getting from there to here and are just stone cold brilliant and it's that brilliance and it's that body of of life experience that makes such a weird wise hysterically funny person absolutely and I feel like that's the DNA of this show mm-hmm. and why it appeals to me so much. Cause I think it reminds me of just, you know, like Greg is a great example. Like he's somebody who's supposed to be a lawyer, right? He no, he's business school. Uh, business school. I think right, it was business uh, school. he got into, Oh, I can't remember Emory. Right. So Emory I don't school think he actually went. Um, I mean, he definitely didn't. His dad got right. sick. So he was supposed to go to business school though. Right. But, and that's part of like where that darkness comes from mm-hmm. within his character that look, I had other, plans and hopes and dreams and now i stay behind this bar making witty horrible jokes (laughs) yeah he's just he's definitely i mean like i said he's a chandler he uses humor as a defense mechanism completely yes um yeah i loved it too that's just (laughs) i love it (laughs) i told you i'm a i feel like i'm a chandler as well so i'm just like i'm very drawn to that character Mm -hmm. type 
So let's talk about the overarching plot. plot. Mm-hmm. Does, does the pilot make clear what's to come in the overarching plot? I feel like we know that uh, Rebecca is stalking Josh mm-hmm. and that Paula is ready to be her sidekick. So <laughs> for me, that's yeah. pretty clear. However, I think they do m- kind of mute that. No, you're not crazy. No, because that's when she's really having the meltdown. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am, am I crazy? crazy? Yeah. I am crazy. It's like there was some real actual self-reflection that should have that needed to happen there, but wasn't going to happen because mm-hmm. she was about she's to spin denial. out and yeah. freak out about it. And then her friend saves her in that moment. I don't think does any favors for her in the long run. Paula. Oh no, enables and her says, behavior. Yes, <laughs> enables this and says you're not crazy. She built around the fantasy. Yeah, it's true love. You're here because you love him. Do you understand the sacrifices you made for love? I, you're brave. I wish I were so brave. And it's just like, oh, Paula, 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 and then Paula. We break into song. And <laughs> we're back, and then we're into fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's like yes, this fantasy is real and achievable. And and ding, ding, she gets her text. Are you a witch? Like, did you? <laughs> like, she just said he will text. <laughs> hey, bunch, let's go get drink. And that's uh, Josh on the other end of that. But, but uh, in that five. moment, it led me to believe, like, oh, okay, so it's just she's just love struck, and 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 it's tongue in cheek that she's the crazy ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. That's not the case at all. Yeah, it definitely. And as the show goes on, it's like, no, that was a you were misleading me. Like, this is you are. I don't feel misled. Way too far. No, I don't no, no. Feel, okay. I, no, no. It's just that that moment m- mutes the fact uh-huh. that like this is some wild stuff. Like she is here to stalk this guy. No, you're just in love, and this is perfectly justifiable. I believed it. Because Did we you? Break in a, yes, because we break in a song. When I first watched it, I was like, "Oh, what a nice little show." She's in love, and it's going to be a love story about you know. She moved across the country and dumped her meds. Also, the song while she, where she's moving in and singing to the yeah. um, the guy who doesn't speak English, and he's like, "No, I'm blessing right. English." And then she sings it to him in Spanish. <laughs> I mean, she's just rambling to anyone who will listen to her about Josh. I felt very early on that. I mean, maybe no, not it's all crazy. Coming together now. Not crazy, but it's definitely like she's obsessive. Yeah. You see, like little tidbits here. So, like. Maybe maybe She's unstable. it does seem early on like crazy ex girlfriend is like the guy's perspective. What the guy's yes. calling her? She's my crazy ex girlfriend, which I mean does kind of end up becoming a thing. Like Josh is trying to explain, <laughs> she knows my crazy ex girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it does. I mean, still address the what goes behind those obsessive behaviors and takes a deeper look at it. So you know what that actually we were saying earlier, or what I was saying earlier about um, Daryl making the Jewish comments mm-hmm. and how the way it's. The way she addresses it makes you feel like like that's the joke, how mm-hmm. she sees it from her perspective. The name Crazy Ex-Girlfriend feels kind of the same. It's like it's like somebody who's been accused of being the crazy ex-girlfriend yeah. taking ownership of the of the label. Yeah. And and joking about mm-hmm. it. And the the least of the problems here is that she's an obsessive ex-girlfriend who still has a crush on this guy. She's really got some issues. Yeah. And uh, the pilot actually is clear about that. Mm-hmm. But when I watched it the first time, I got swept up into... You get West swept up in the... Em- <laughs> it's the emotions. I will say, I have a oh, hard time... Oh, and Paula's time. so good in that scene, she too. Is. She's so deep. Her voice is really good. I have to say, I, I've i been finding that the first watch through of anything, I'm I'm not at all unbiased. Like, I'm the... I, I am the most biased you're I will ever be. not at all unbiased. So you're very biased. I'm very biased. Okay. I am... 
on an emotional journey when I'm watching the TV show. So I hate characters that I shouldn't. Like, they're great characters. They're full characters. But I'm not rooting for them. So I'm like, fuck this guy. I had a hard time because, you know, you're rooting for certain people. So, like, the first time around, I don't think I realized how amazing. I mean, like, you notice how great Greg is. But you kind of are rooting for Josh because you're told that's who you're. You don't understand who Greg is. You don't. And you're, you're told to root for Josh. Yeah. You know, she it's moved all across. About Josh. She moved. I mean, <laughs> it's not about Josh, though. <laughs> no, no, but the whole mission of the no. show is is to get to Josh. I get tongue it. in cheek. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> it's not about Josh. I'm not here because of Josh. No, no. <laughs> Josh's relevance in it. Mm-hmm. The idea of Josh is the driving force of the show. Mm-hmm. Josh is, you know, kind of immaterial as a character. He's, oh, absolutely. He, he's there. He's a know? fantasy. Yeah. Yeah, the person who he really is isn't even the person she longs for that Mm-mm. she builds up in his in her mind. Those guys aren't compatible at all. No. Um, and as the show continues, and you realize, oh, this show is not about Josh. It's it's kind of a How I Met Your Mother. It's sort mm-hmm. of a MacGuffin. You know, we think that this is all about meeting the mother. It's not about meeting the mother. It's not. It's about telling the journey that leads to you know up to that moment. Some self discovery. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And and this, you know, Josh is the MacGuffin that the show is chasing after. Was really not even relevant, you know. The character himself is is only relevant in that he is a victim of uh, <laughs> Rebecca, who really shows up and and upends his life. I mean, she she's manipulative and, and destructive, schemy. Yes, we can tell early on it's going to be very schemy. Paula has oh, she's just the schemy. <laughs> like I just love it. Yeah. She's like, okay, well we're gonna we're gonna fix this. We're we're gonna it figure this out. It is very Lucy out. and Ethel. It's kind of classic. Oh, I, I just get so excited when you get that kind of buddy. Um, I love buddy comedies. Oh buddy yeah, comedy stuff. Absolutely, just that they're very yeah they're it, in it together, ride or die, bitches. Yeah, in <laughs> fact, it's so much more uh, a bunch and Paula show mm-hmm. than it is a bunch and Josh show. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely, and that's funny. You know, now that we're talking about it, whether this was um, deliberate or not, you end up with a very familiar for a show that kind of prides itself on the rules don't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it it settles on something that's very familiar to us, which is a friendship duo scheming to get to the end that they want to get to. Yeah. You know, and I love Lucy. It was Lucy wants to be famous. She wants to perform. She wants to be a performer. Right. So we're always looking for ways to set that up, sneak into Ricky shows and things like that. I didn't know that. I like, I've oh, seen yeah. episodes of it, but I haven't seen enough of it to like know her. It was as my a first favorite TV show. Okay. Um, I don't remember. I don't know how specifically today I, I remember individual episodes. I think I probably remember it pretty well. Mm-hmm. But um, they, were, they were scheming over all sorts of stuff. But a recurring scheme was how to get Lucy into the show. Yeah. This is very familiar. Like to the most classic show that set the standard for all sitcoms that followed, who created the genre. Uh, Did they? You know, in the way More history less, remembers yeah. it. Um, <laughs> sure. Probably not, but you know the the one that's revered historically, and and that's what you kind of end up with here mm-hmm. is here's the Lucy Ethel dynamic where where uh, Paul is a little bit older, she's got you know the beleaguered oh, yeah. character in her unhappy marriage with her with her idiot husband, which doesn't he's not at all doesn't come up at all in the pilot. Um, so I, I just think that's interesting that there's mm-hmm. this uh, juxtaposition of familiar things and unfamiliar things. Oh, and to uh, the question that we're actually asking here is, what's the overarching plot? The overarching plot, I think, is clearly established here at the end that this show is about 
these two scheming to get her close to Josh. Mm-hmm. Whether or not she's ever going to get close to Josh, now that we have Santana in there, Greg in there, who really, the really takes the show as the leading man, who gets no attention and no love for it at all, and then you're rooting for him, and you're really confused by it, like, where are we going for this? <laughs> With this, but I want more, and I want to know what the next scheme is. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's overarching plot hook. And the hook, right? The hook, right yeah. The, the, hook, right the hook was, yeah, was the Paula do? I think the duo. The yeah, we're gonna yep. we're gonna figure this shit out. Mm-hmm. You it, will be with Josh at the very last couple minutes. We turn that on the head where she is the villain in this episode. Mm-hmm. In a way. Yeah, kind of a what is it? She's an antagonist. An okay. Yeah, and antagonist. yeah, ex- absolutely. She's presented as an antagonist, and as soon as the end of the pilot, no, we're friends. We're best. We're best friends. Don't talk Did about my friend like friends? that. Right. <laughs> yeah, right. So now they're friends, and we sweep Greg aside. Even Josh is hardly anywhere to be found. Um, hardly has a presence in this episode after the opening couple of minutes, uh, and. Now that we're introduced to to the schemers, mm-hmm. do you want to come back and watch the next scheme? I actually was like, can we just keep watching like one more episode? <laughs> Me too. <laughs> for you, okay. And I know you you haven't even finished it, so you need to finish your first watch through before you right. redo the thing. But I've been watching it for years. Uh, and, and the weird thing about this particular show to me is that it's it's oddly comforting knowing it hasn't been seen yet because mm-hmm. there's other things that come up that feel more pressing. It's like, oh, I gotta catch up. Oh, I gotta binge on this. I gotta binge on this. This one I don't really binge on, mm-hmm. but I love knowing that it's always there in the background, waiting to be seen. Mm-hmm. Which is not a really n- relationship that I have with any other show. I don't think I do either. I mean, I I don't have the relationship with this that relationship with this show. So I that's a very profound relationship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's very different. Yeah. I don't think I have any like that. So we discussed the hook. I said some stuff about it. I don't know that I really give you the opportunity. No, I think I led in saying that Paula and uh, Rebecca being the duo is really, I mean, that's the hook. Solidifies it. Absolutely. I started saying she's presented as an adversary. This early on becomes, boom, we're best friends. Mm -hmm. And whatever they presented just gets turned on its head right there. Oh, absolutely. Subverted completely all the expectations. Do you think that that's going to be a moment of reckoning? I got you, bitch. I'm going to mm. reveal you. I'm going to out you. I, I, I know your cards. And Paula's not her worst enemy, who's the only person who kind of was her enemy in this episode. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't have any enemies. She's her own worst enemy. Not yeah. that that's necessarily clear at the end of this year. But... Um, I mean, she is the only one rooting against herself in that moment. She's yeah. like, oh, you know, I am crazy. Oh, shit. I'm crazy. Yeah. Well, and everybody <laughs> wants to like her. You know, oh, Daryl yeah. loves her. He can't believe she came to work at the firm there. When Paula well, yeah, realizes, oh, you're, you need me to mom you, she loves it. Like, she picks up that, that She wants to be needed, quick. I think. She wants it so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, That's such a mom thing, too. Yeah. Just to want to be and needed. she's a mom of sons. Again, we don't know about the sons here, but. Oh, they're terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so uh, back to bunches. Um, successful pilot? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like I said, I wanted to keep watching. And for anyone who, if you're not sure, well, if you've listened this far, I hope you've, I hope you've watched it because it'd be weird if you've made it this far. But or if thanks not, thanks for listening. <laughs> or th- you <laughs> must really love us or really hate us. Or you forgot to hit stop when you finished listening to the last episode, and yeah. here we are. 
Um, anyway, I don't remember where I was going with that. Goodness, that was... <laughs> I went off the rails there. Was it a successful pilot? Oh, yeah. No. Okay, so the introduction, which is not featured in the pilot episode, yes, we we've already said this? it, but it makes the perfect pilot i mean like don't get me wrong you don't get like paula's name or anyone but like you really get the vibe of the show that it's satirical you do get paula's name. Ta- i mean her they, name's not in it no no no. they they put labels up. oh do they new, okay no, new best friend i maybe it doesn't say paula, okay it says new, new best, best friend. friend okay new boss so you get context for who these characters are yes. and you kind of get i mean you get the premise that she's she does not realize she's crazy and everyone else is aware what you're doing is crazy. <laughs> you are straight up crazy. Next girlfriend. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. So uh, if you haven't already seen that and you were crazy enough to not watch the next episode, please do that or at least watch the intro because it's it so good. It's so good. California Christmas time is just a golden state of mind. <laughs> Uh, That's nuts roasting in a. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I think we've got. I mean, you agree. Successful pilot? Yes. You know what deviates in this pilot from the other two that we've watched? What's that? And this is the newest show by quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, is we don't get the. Because this is a show that came out on CW during the era of peak TV and mm-hmm. Netflix and probably has a bigger following from Netflix. Mm-hmm. So we're oh, getting to a different historic era of television when this came out, and it's got a it's got more edge to it, more bite than the other two mm-hmm. shows had. And we don't get because in the other both of the other shows we acknowledged in our podcast that the whole cast was introduced to us before the intro. Oh, you mean before like the um, the actual like song introduction? That yeah, before the okay. intro, the, show. the theme intro. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's the Friends theme song? <laughs> dun 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 dun. <laughs> so no one so told you life was gonna, gonna be this way. way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You dropped a joke, you broke, you love life to your way. Second gear. Yeah. When it haven't hasn't been your day, your week, your month, or even, or even your, your year. In high, in so uh, elementary school, in fifth grade, mm-hmm. we we had a, you know those performances where we have to sing for our parents. Is really stupid. Like, come out here, stage monkey, and put on a show. <laughs> um, you remember when you were supposed to be learning, uh, and you were relieved that we got to do the song and dance number instead? I look back at that, and I feel like it was a real waste of time. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it was really weird that we make kids do that. I just think it's bizarre. But Don't we make them perform in front of people? In front of our parents. Hey, we're going to put a show on for your parents to show that we're actually here doing stuff. It's really strange. Uh we sang the Friends theme song. Did you really? Yeah, it was re- it was the time that I we wondered why you knew the words. That felt suspicious. Uh, and yeah, off. that's how I know the words. <laughs> I from, was like, "What is this?" <laughs> and I didn't know it was from Friends, and I, I didn't maybe really. Yeah, I guess I knew what Friends was. Friends was like it was Friends and and the X Files at the time, that certain era in the '90s that mm-hmm. you always saw the this week on X Files. Mm-hmm. Or or tune in this week, tune in Friday for the X Files, and they would show you what was going on, so you knew that like, oh, Mulder and Scully are going through some real weird shit right now. They have this kid that disappeared, or something like that. Like you kind of always knew what was going on in the show. Yeah, that sounds vaguely. Fun. I mean, yeah. this X Files always scared the crap out of me, so I tried to know as little about it as I could. Like the few <laughs> episodes I saw just like shook me in my core when I was younger. I, we never watched. I don't know why we never watched it. It was it, it, it's the kind of thing I would have been interested in. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Couldn't watch it all. Uh, anyway, <laughs> we sang 
that song, the mm-hmm. theme song, and I remember we had to learn that. Your love lies DOA. And I remember my dad like kind of making fun of my cousin and I. It was just a weird thing to be doing. I just didn't understand yeah. why we were singing that. There was that an R-O-C-K in the USA. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why we're talking about this. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's fine. I mean, you know, we're here for tangents. And, uh, you know, we've hit our four categories. So I say we get a bullshit. as m- We got the job done. Yeah. You guys are still listening. That's on you, man. You can skip. Hey, but thanks for listening. <laughs> but thanks for listening. <laughs> don't cut us off. Don't listen to my words. <laughs> listen to- See my heart. <laughs> you. <laughs> okay. So what were we talking about right before that? We were actually talking about the intro still, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We were talking about great interest. Just the fact that the intro for that was so good. Yes. Before we started recording, I wish I had saved it so this felt like an organic thought. I think <laughs> <laughs> as much as this is a show that probably won't get its, its due recognition mm-hmm. in history... I think that that might be one of the great, great intros of all time. I have to agree. Yeah, it's really good. I really want to like have an episode where we just have like our top rated intros because I've got some good ones. Mm. True Blood, man, that is the best intro ever. Even if you're not into vampires at all, like I don't think you would be into it because of the vampire aspect. Oh, I like vampires. Fine. Do you? Yeah. I don't okay. Know. I yeah. just prefer zombies. It's <laughs> and I'm not interested in Twilight <laughs> or Although Walking I saw Dead. The first Twilight. And the last one. Mm -hmm. And I thought the last one was pretty good. Yeah. Nobody else did, but, you know, I'm not a reader. You know, I think the soundtrack was good and the scenery was good. It had gotten a lot better. The acting was, it was, yeah, you're right. The acting, so the first. Two. the (laughs) The first two, it was just, they were growing up. They were very young and it was very obvious that they were young. It was a young cast. There, were, you know, there was the. I know the editing was weird, though. Mm-hmm. There was a weird angsty scene where he's like smelling her hair, and mm-hmm. it probably conveyed better in the book, and it didn't. In the movie, and it was fade it's... effect to fade effect, like in the yeah. same scene, which you don't really do mm-hmm. unless you want to cover up some shit that you got wrong when you filmed it. And we're oh like yeah, editing it together later. That's funny when you mentioned that sniffing her hair scene was the most uncomfortable thing when I was because it kind of seemed like. Um, Like, no, like the early, like, you know, the teenager shows where like the guy's trying to cover the boner like that. It very (laughs) much felt like he got aroused and was trying to hide it. Like it was this very physically uncomfortable. Yeah. And and maybe like metaphorically, that's what was going on. Yeah, a weird emotional vampire boner Mm -hmm. because he's cold and dead and lifeless. So he probably doesn't produce very many actual boners anymore. It's a it's a predatory a boner. Mortis. <laughs> uh, that's weird. Anyway, <laughs> that all that to say that um, True Blood, the intro of it, conveys like this really grungy Southern feel, and like I know I wouldn't enjoy living in the South, but oh my god, I watch this and I'm like, oh, this is <laughs> like it really gives you like the feel. You know, we talked about the show West Covina being like a character, character. in mm-hmm. the show, very um, central to the show mm-hmm. um true blood's probably and i've never seen true blood i'm familiar with it I, i've only recently had access to hbo that's an hbo show right yes it is um the 
southernness mm-hmm. of it, I would imagine, is front and center. Oh, absolutely. It's not just wallpaper. Like, no. It's important that the show's It's in part the of South. the culture of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's fun. I like that. Oh, I loved it. Yeah, it's it's one that I felt like I've never felt like I didn't realize you liked zombies and and vampires. For whatever reason, I felt I always feel like you like things that are very rooted in reality unless it's intentionally very like satirical or comedy, you know? But you seem to go to that very seldomly anymore. Yeah, well, I know what you mean. Like I'm a trekkie to the to the core, which is the n- like the nerdiest thing that you could possibly embrace. But it feels like an outliner, uh, or an outlier. For it you. is, it is, because a lot of the rest of it's like, oh, great, Marvel again. Here we go. Let's, yeah, it's oh, okay, go oh, where we we plant. But you gotta realize that <laughs> part of it was growing up wanting to make a movie, and like I had notebooks full of ideas for all the movies I wanted to make, and you know, Alien Five. I wrote a screenplay for Alien. Five. I wrote a <laughs> screenplay for Star Trek eleven and twelve, and uh, it was that's a fun. Two parter was pretty big. That was actually a big piece of work. I didn't realize least. you wrote fanfic. That's really yes. fun. Yes, I did. So, so my nerd, my nerd blood runs deep. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, you're a Trekkie. Yes, that that must be so. Yes, but I've spent my entire life trying to hide it mm-hmm. and run from it. Mm-hmm. And I guess it's like I'm so into the trekkie thing <laughs> that um there are certain other things it's like this isn't this isn't good enough mm-hmm. like the it, like a lot of marvel stuff because star trek historically has been pretty smart it's been a thinking drama mm-hmm. um and uh like growing out of star wars as time went on because i was more of a trekkie mm-hmm. like like to me like star wars isn't good enough because it doesn't leave me with the same thoughtfulness that star trek does interesting that's some nerdy shit however (laughs) i will say in my defense that star trek is nerdy on the surface Mm -hmm. and beneath it is like people who are awkward with jobs yeah (laughs) and then star wars on the surface is not that nerdy because it's such a pop culture icon it's yeah. so iconic but as you get deeper into star wars it gets so nerdy there's all these weird unbelievably nerdy. universe stuff you find it find anything on youtube it's like all right we're gonna explain the mandalorian to you the mandalorian and then they're referencing all these things that are like not in but i've never seen before yeah this is never far been part as you of know it. it's not canon but yes. it is somewhere like there's yeah. fiction like it weirds me out that people knew like the different races and i'm like wait did they say that somewhere is it written somewhere like how do how was i supposed to come upon this knowledge yeah. so i always felt kind of um on the outside with it like i always wanted to be a part of the star trek fandom or sorry star wars, star wars. never wanted to be part of star trek no, I tried. Anyway, Star Wars. You, you did not try. I gave it two you seasons. you couldn't get out of your own way. Two seasons of any Star Trek show is unacceptable. I've told you this a thousand times. <laughs> no Star Trek show other than the original series has gotten good. Tell until me, at least how are their pilots? Three. so guess what i haven't watched them if i have to give it one two episodes no seasons (laughs) this is your podcast and you put yourself out there as like an expert on this category i do not then say no i will i willn't do that because i have to watch i have to watch every episode sequentially (sighs) 
there was 1987, it's weird rules man. In my brain. And the show they started with was completely different than the show that they ended up with. And you could start with season three, episode one. I'll do it, fine. Of Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation and not be out of as out of sorts as you act like. Here's the thing is that if I watch a show, I have to, ha- I think it's that I have to have the claim that I've seen it all cover to cover, you know, like beginning to end that I saw it all the way through and I could, I could relate with you on any part of it for whatever reason that's so important to me and that I see it in order. Um, I accidentally saw the new Sherlock Holmes with, um, oh, I can't even American remember his name. One? Yes. With Lucy Liu or with, uh, what? Cumberbund. Cumberbund. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> the attractive guy. <laughs> He's the is attractive it? guy. Is he not? I don't know. In that, he, I don't know. everyone always finds him very attractive. Or maybe oh. it's just my friends. I don't know. I have nerdy friends. That's true. <laughs> Alicia, you know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, um, I accidentally, like, I don't know how it happened. I accidentally watched the last season thinking that, like, the, the last season first episode was the pilot. And so I came in being like, wow, they really throw you into this and kind of just assume you're immersed Whoa. in it. And it bo- it destroyed me because I saw the season finale during my first first season that I'm watching. And then I go start at the beginning. And I'm like, okay, so I'm going to have to treat this like a prequel. Like I'm having to set myself up and explain to myself, no, this is okay. Oh, it's Quentin this is okay. style. Oh, it was terrible. It was terrible and I didn't like having to experience it that way. Well, we're talking <laughs> about old school TV shows. Oh, yeah. Where, no. they, where they had to fill 26 episodes where it's in incredibly season. episodic and not and serialized incredibly formulaic and episodic yes the old rules uh were different the <laughs> i can't do it <laughs> you are so in your own way about this no it just it's not what i go to tv for though you know what i mean it, I have a hard time with episodic TV, period. Like, I want yeah. something where if I don't want to binge it, if I don't want the next episode immediately, can't handle not seeing it, it's just not my show. Look, there's no right or wrong here. <laughs> I'm just saying if there was, you'd be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, touche. I'm <laughs> I think right. that's where I'm going to have to land on that one. <laughs> but you were saying, your fandom, this is your one nerdery. Oh, yeah. Well... It's it's the, the universe that I know. Yeah, like mm-hmm. it's like there's plenty of nerdy things where it's like every time a Star Wars movie comes out, I'm excited mm-hmm. about it. Except for Solo, that was absurd. <laughs> and uh, and the I'm excited. Well, and then I wasn't excited about the most recent one because it was really bad. Um, and uh, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna say something that's an unpopular opinion, which doesn't make any sense because again, uh, if there was a right and wrong answer here, I think you're in charge of unpopular be, opinions. Y'all would be wrong, and this would be right. <laughs> The Last Jedi is among the best. It's one of the best Star Wars movies made. And the most recent one, The Rise of Skywalker, was by far the worst Star Wars movie ever. What I'm trying to get at here is although the Star Trek universe is my universe, there's mm-hmm. still other ones that I spend enough time in that I can pass judgment on. <laughs> okay, that's good. Well, that's something. However, anyway. there haven't been any new ones created, I'll say. Sci-fi's? Like, in our lifetime I don't that I can think of. That I, like, Sorry, like the ones that have been... Qualified ones. I'm getting there. Okay. There haven't been any new, like, universes created. Oh. 
that I've really been that interested in. I don't like Marvel. Yeah. I mean, it's like all So what is so your hang up with the MCU? Like, I just, I've never understood why you don't like superheroes. And I just kind of assumed that you didn't like anything fantastical, but that's just not, I mean, I'm finding now that's not the case. I like Batman. That's the superhero that I like. But he's not a superhero. He doesn't exactly have superheroes. Exactly my point. Okay. Thank you very much. What a complex <laughs> and compelling character, right? Yeah. That he has utilities and Except then he Batman's Clinton. around. And yes. <laughs> so, um... Uh, the, uh, what I was saying earlier and I, I didn't make it there, but when I was a kid who wanted to, who was just dying to make a movie one day, mm -hmm. I constantly wanted to see like the enterprise flying around the, you know, city streets, you know, in, in like down on earth, like flying among the buildings. Like modern the, day. No, but like what Marvel is. Mm -hmm. Let me put it more concisely. When the third Transformers came out, also <laughs> known as the one without Megan Fox. Thank you. Um, I fell asleep during that one. Mm -hmm. and I kept waking up and we were flying around the city, blowing stuff up. Mm -hmm. And I thought, once upon a time, like I had storyboards of this kind of scene happening. Yeah. And it was, it was like huge, but, you know, movies didn't have the ability to do that yet. Mm -hmm. And then they did. So they did it. And, and they, they did, did it, it again, the and then they did it again, and they did it again. So then there was no difference between Transformers one, two, or three, where it did the same thing each time. You know, it was indistinguishable from the Avengers, where we're flying around like shooting space aliens out of the sky, mm -hmm. and it just becomes a mess of CGI, and there's no story there yeah. anymore, and it and it loses its initial thrill. And then you sit there thinking, oh, I kind of miss characters and I kind of miss plot. So I get that with the movies, but have you seen any of the TV shows? I'm thinking like Jessica Jones, um, Daredevil. I mean, those ones had some None. real drama <laughs> no, to them, them, like really compelling drama, I would say. Oh, so forget the MCU. I don't care for Marvel movies. I don't know anything. Okay, about so it's just yeah, the, the movies. extended universe. I don't know anything about. Yeah, no, I have to say the TV shows I've really enjoyed. Agents um, of S.H.I.E.L.D. Whedon is Agents of the Field. He oh, and his yeah. brother, Jed. I'm so happy. It makes me so delighted. I think it's on its last season, though. Final episodes. It hurts me. Shield? Yeah, I keep up they're with it. They're still making it? Oh, yeah. Oh. Week to week, I keep I keep up with this one. Oh, I didn't know they were still making it. Oh, yeah. So, you uh, X-Men. I love X-Men. Oh, yeah, X-Men's good. But X-Men feels more sci-fi than it does superhero. I mean, but they all have superpowers. Oh, is that what that was? <laughs> I mean, I guess I don't understand the sci-fi element because they're not solving something with, you know, made-up science. They're solving it with, you know, mutant powers, <laughs> uh, which would definitely, to me, make there, it more... But there's science-y ideas. It doesn't really need to be it's science. A, it's, a, it's a blend. There, yeah, yeah. It The, the X-Men universe feels more sci-fi to me. or it's I got a, a far more. It's got a lot more sci-fi in its DNA than, say, you know, Iron Man, where... Like, we made the suit, and I feel like, well, okay. Okay, have you seen the first Iron Man, though? Yeah, a long time ago. Oh, it was so good when he builds the, the whole Robert suit Downey in Jr. The cave. is a classic. Oh, he is. I, I mean, would watch anything with him. Take, for example, uh, Captain America, one of the movies, <laughs> Winter Soldier. Probably. I think. It's the one where, oh, it's, oh, it's Civil War. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I went to it with friends, and I didn't want to see it, but they were a new friend group, and I wanted to keep being invited to things, so I went and saw this stupid movie. <laughs> it was the worst. 
if you like if you pick it apart there's no movie there like mm-hmm. uh, i can't remember it enough now to do justice but i had a really i just eviscerating criticism of this of how flimsy the plot was it ends with the winter soldier the guy who is a murder machine and has no control of himself and needs to be taken off the street that we just fought a civil war where these guys are trying to kill each other iron man is right Mm-hmm. Captain America is the villain in this yeah. movie. He's totally in the wrong. And after he like ruins everybody and he thinks like, oh, the Avengers should just have ultimate power. And Robert Downey Jr. is like, no, nah, we've got maybe are a little too powerful. And mm-hmm. we need to dial back on that because we're blowing some shit up that we ought not to be blowing up. Mm-hmm. We're not Transformers. We're Avengers. <laughs> There's nothing to avenge here. He's a businessman and he knows the financial consequences of yeah. all the property damage. Yeah, and he just <laughs> says, well, I'm the hero. Fuck it. I'm going to do what I want to do. And he's wrong top to bottom. And this guy's my bro. He's my best bud. This is my bro. Is it B- the guy, Bucky? Bucky. Yeah. That's his name. It was Bucky, killing me. Bucky, who murdered your parents mm. <laughs> and, uh, and shouldn't be allowed to walk around freely until we could fix him. And you know how the movie ends? What's up? With Bucky <laughs> saying to Captain America, yeah, I think I'm a danger to society and you should probably put me on ice for a while. Like, I don't think I'm... Not I, ready for this. I don't think it's safe to have me around. No shit. Why didn't we just do that at the beginning of the movie? And then you have a villain whose whole plot rests on his ability to turn these people against each other, which, which should have been like a, f- a far cry, outrageous scheme. Like, well, if only I can turn these best friends against each other, then they will fall masterfully into my master plan. And they do. When all they needed to say was, well, that's pretty stupid. Maybe like, let's talk this out for a second. Hey, Bucky, you really are <laughs> a bastard. I get that you're tortured and you can't help it, but we got to do something about you. Nope, we just continue doing this so that he's allowed to continue to murder people until he decides he doesn't want to anymore. That's absurd. Yeah, so, you're not wrong. You're right. <laughs> um, but I will say, so that's that's one plot line of it. But the other part, you know, and I, maybe I'm misremembering the movie because I'm not because good it's at... forgettable and not worth going back to? No, there were just so many Marvel movies and it was a continuous universe, which I'm really not used to. So mm. I can't remember that's which funny. one it was in. So I am a lover of the MCU. Um, not all the movies by any means, but... I really liked that they address the consequences of the property damage because that's the number one thing I have a hard time with when I watch any sort of a superhero film is it just the egregious property so damage. So did Hancock, but Hancock did it better. I don't know what that is. That's the one with uh, Will Smith. Oh. It's great. It's like, I actually think that's kind of a classic. I mean, it's not a classic hit, but I think it's If this were movies classic. and not pilots, I would watch it for and this. it's worthy. <laughs> yeah, have you watched movies? Yeah, that's true. Oh, yeah. Somebody asked. Uh, my uncle was going to let me borrow a movie. And I was like, that's OK. Thank you, though. I don't watch movies <laughs> like I really appreciate the thought. But like I I'll hang on to that forever and just never watch it. So, so hang on to that. Gives me a book because they love me. It's like, oh, that's crazy. You don't know me. Yeah, that you love me and you don't know me at all. You don't know me at all. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you know, if I were to read this book, it's totally going to ruin the movie. <laughs> like, why do you want to ruin the movie so bad for me? I like movies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I now know better than to uh, point you towards A, books, and B, fictional books anyways. You read books? I do. I mean, 
I listen to them now because I just feel like I don't have the... Where would you find the time? I can't... I have so much time. Like, I can't even use that as an excuse anymore. <laughs> it's that I don't feel you like You watch I, TV professionally now. Professionally. You can't... You don't have time to read books. <laughs> That's true. This is my job. Um, I don't get paid for it, though, so I don't know if we can call it professionally. If someone wants to pay me for it, though, that we can call this my job, and I'd be all over that. Could you imagine how boring that this podcast would be if it were about books? No, I totally have thought about <laughs> having a podcast that's like a book club, but then I was like, the thing is, I'm not good at finishing books. Like, I'm really excited about them, but... Yeah, I can start them. <laughs> I'll get like 75% of the way through sometimes and just be like, I don't know. I'll forget about it for like a month. I'll get busy with something else, and then that's just... Yeah. It's not an easy thing to do. Like, I get tired when I no, read. No, it's a tremendous amount of work. It's a hobby. Well, it's it's it gives me, like, my eyes feel fatigued when I'm reading. So it's if I can't sleep, that's absolutely what I go to. Because I'm like, my eyes will be so yeah. tired that I'll accidentally fall asleep while I'm reading this. Let's say read all day. I text constantly <laughs> as a part of my job. Yeah. I know how to read. I will say my vocabulary was a lot better when I regularly read. Like, I've definitely noticed that my vocabulary has shrunk enormously like if i haven't heard it on a tv show i probably don't use it <laughs> yeah uh, my vocabulary um certainly contracted mm -hmm. when i worked at restaurants for years mm -hmm. and then everything was this fucker get the fuck out of here you know and then you just talk like a construction worker which is you know my mom Worked in restaurants forever, and my dad is in construction. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like the odds are against me ever being, you know, having talking any way other than they do, which is really crude all the time. And I will say that's hilarious. I do relate to that very yeah, strongly. I was once known for, like in high school, using words that didn't make sense for high schoolers to mm -hmm. be using that were too big and people gave you looks. And that was because of Star Trek. So really? over hmm. quarantine, I kind of reconnected with why I loved Star Trek and it had been a long time, but it was a difficult time in history, mm -hmm. right? So so you're looking for, for, for the old friends that are going to make you, that are, you know, familiar, that have that arc where everything's sort of cleanly packaged mm -hmm. by the end, uh, that you can, you know, rest easy and go to sleep and have this feeling that all things will end up right again. Like yeah, we're in the, the middle of okay. the conflict and things haven't been resolved yet. Um and what was I talking about when I started saying this? <laughs> <laughs> I knew until you asked me. Words. Words. Mm -hmm. So, oh, yes, so vocabulary. people used to ask me, where'd your vocabulary come from? Back before my restaurant days, mm -hmm. my construction worker days with my dad. Um, and I would say Star Trek. It was like, no, that's dorky. That's a joke. It's the truth. It's like, no, that's the truth. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it, it ain't from reading poetry. It's from hearing these these nerds pretending to be scientists like but watching it again made me realize that i was picking up some of the old you know how when you get really into something like you'll pick up the lingo, habits, the lingo. yeah from the characters that you see doing stuff oh, a lot absolutely yes i use spike's language from buffy all the time and he's right. british <laughs> yeah. and so like you know i'll say bugger that and i think you've noticed it and you're like well that was a weird thing to say i'm like yeah i watched too much buffy <laughs> <laughs> well in in this case i'm watching it realizing through quarantine i thought i need to i need to regularly kind of medicate myself with star trek because i actually feel like i'm a better person when it's a big part of my life yeah which is a hopelessly nerdy thing to say <laughs> but when it makes you realize like why do you love this thing it's like oh actually i feel like i'm a better person it gives you better perspective for this yeah mm -hmm. for sure 
That's fun. I like that. I will say, like, I, I, I know that you think I hate Star Trek or no, just I don't. Not How could you hate it? You've never seen it. All you've that's seen are the first true. two seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation, Kay, and everybody hates the first two seasons of Star Trek: The Next Generation. That's an incredible commitment. Anyone who is not a Star Trek fan can attest <laughs> to that. That was real commitment on my part, and I tried. You but have I like never tried because you've never asked me what's the right way to get into it, and then I would direct you. I would say you start with the new movies because they're made for dumb people who don't like science fiction. And then we kind of work our way backwards and jump around a little bit. <laughs> I think that is the way to do it. That I, yeah. I will need to watch um, yeah, the movies wrong. first. That's and you were with Matt at the time. Yeah. Well, and he just he's such a he he likes data, and so he got me excited about the data ex- episodes. And he's like, it's just it's gonna come, it's gonna come, it's gonna happen. And I just kept waiting, and they I mean they finally got to him, but it was just like. I just keep watching and hoping it's a data episode. And as soon as it's not, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is dramatic. And I don't give a shit about this lady. Who, like the lady with the emotion, like who could read people's emotions or whatever. Like she was interesting at first. And then I very quickly got over it when it just felt like they didn't use her effectively. I think that's something that is one of the famous sins the, the show committed. Okay. So it's yeah. not just me. No, no, no. I think it's well known. You know what? I will say this mm-hmm. though, that, uh, the m- she was in a recent episode of Star Trek Picard. We hadn't seen her in twenty years. Yeah, her character in twenty years, and and she was an, as an actress, mm-hmm. she was in the finest form I'd ever seen her. She was really. G- I didn't know she was that talented and that skilled mm-hmm. as an actor. She was really really good, and uh, and it was the best material that they'd ever written for her. I you know I felt like I was it was you know I'm a nerd for it but I was bringing tears to my eyes remind me of that character's name Deanna Troy Deanna Troy that's right yeah no she was always underutilized I think mm-hmm. famously underutilized I see stuff on YouTube with those guys at conventions and stuff and they're always joking about how she rarely had anything to do but work out and yeah they made her unavailable her, anytime she would be out. useful like they they gave her some sort of an issue where she was like damseled in some way Mm -hmm. and couldn't be you know part of the solution and i'm just like you know for someone who has like really an incredible skill like this could be an incredibly valuable skill they just they don't use it very well to understand other cultures which i thought was like really supposed to be the point of star trek i watched the original ones in my history class um because it it very much related to things that have actually happened in history um and i was just really excited about that wow so you are a trekkie you understand the fundamentals of it perfectly sure and then we're disappointed that it didn't live up to its potential i'm telling you i don't like serialized television like i really or sorry episodic i really have to have it serialized if there's not a reason to come back for this character to find out what happens to them or how they developed over this plot i just don't care the last thing we have to do best part assign homework what are we watching next week uh i was in the process of suggesting black sure. sales black sales oh nice okay that i like that okay that because, sounds good because i want to get into it i'm just not yet and okay i gotta like shit or get off the pot and <laughs> if i'm getting off the pot i'm deleting phrase. hulu again you know that would save you what ten dollars a month because you're probably not going oh. ad version no way yeah, no <laughs> <laughs> like, i watch ads that? like i read books <laughs> not <laughs> yeah the first like Couple pages of it, and then that's done. Never yeah. gonna return to that again. Um, okay, so uh, let's. Should we lock that in? Sure. Black sales. Black sales. Final answer. This feels so dire. Does it? Why? Because it's the final answer. Right? <laughs> if we pick up next week and we say, "Ha! Just kidding. We decided to do another thing." 
So it's got to be. Okay. We'll do black sales. Sure. Let's do that thing. Let's All right. Let's do that thing. Cool. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, and both of you who <laughs> stayed through this the whole time. <laughs> Lauren engaged. <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> Soup's cool. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks for listening. This is Pilots. <laughs>